On this episode, I'm joined by theme park food blogger John Self to discuss how some of Disney's top restaurants stack up against a similar selection at Universal Orlando Resort. And today will be part one. Today is May 27th, 2022. This is episode 464 of the Main Street Magic Podcast. Jeremy and Rhonda are more than a little fond of Disney World. So they made this podcast to share it all with you. Reports and resorts, top 10 lists of all sorts. Main Street Magic's bringing it home for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Main Street Magic. I'm your host, Jeremy Stein, and while I am sadly not joined by my lovely wife, Rhonda, today, I will soon be welcoming in theme park food blogger, John Self. But first, make sure you check us out on the web at MainSTMagic.com, as well as follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MainSTMagic. If you've not done so already, head out to Facebook and search for the Main Street Magic community and ask to join. Then if you hit that subscribe button, you'll get brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Now, while planning that trip to Disneyland or Walt Disney World, it can be very overwhelming and at times absolutely frustrating. Mouse Dining removes the frustration of booking Disney dining reservations, alerting you when they spot availability for your desired restaurant, date, meal, and time. Visit msmfriends.com to use this free service. If you're getting ready to plan that next Disney or Universal vacation, maybe looking to go on a cruise or pretty much travel anywhere else in the world, head to mainstmagictravel.com and fill out a form for a free quote. Our travel services are completely free to you. Let's go ahead and kick off today's episode by welcoming him in, John Self. John, thank you so much for joining uh, your first Main Street Magic podcast. I'm sure it will not be your last, so welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to come on the podcast and, you know, get on the other side of the microphone where I can make other people can make obnoxious comments in the Facebook group about what I say in the podcast instead of what I do. <laughs> That's great. So. Well, for anyone that doesn't know you and you are you know, very prominent in our Facebook uh, community, Main Street Magic, as well as all over social media and always interacting and, and offering a lot of great insight, uh, not only for Walt Disney World, but Universal Orlando Resort, uh, often beyond. Just first give our listeners a little bit of background about who you are, kind of how you got into. Do, are you OK being called a food blogger? What is your what would you call I'm perfectly your okay being called a food blogger, Perfect. even though I've written way too many Genie Plus articles and oh, I bet. rope drop articles lately. Um, I guess just to, because here's the dangerous part that Jeremy just did. Um, he just gave someone who's a clergy member the right to speak and talk <laughs> about themselves. And so the one thing that's true about clergy members is we never stay within the time frame. So just real quick, just so you can get that, if you, if you need to follow everything I do, it's at Pastor John Self on Twitter. Um, John is without an H because H's are O, so just so <laughs> you're aware of that. Well done. Um, I, I currently serve as an American Baptist minister. Uh, that's, for those of you not familiar with Christian tribes, that it's a moderate Baptist um, theological group. Uh, I'm here in Western Illinois University at Macomb, Illinois. Um, I write for lots of faith-based groups, and we were just, well, I was detoxing with Jeremy a little bit before the podcast about going on a faith-based podcast based on current events, and I'll We'll keep it nice and pleasant for this podcast, so don't worry about that. So um, I do write for lots and edit for lots of different um, theme park blogs. Um, the ones that I can announce because are um, piratesandprincesses.net, um, Universal Food Blog, and Universal Family Vacations. And I edit for about three or four more that might be prominent, might be the big places you want to go to if you want a genie plus or do a touring plan, maybe. Perfect. I think I said that subtly enough to stay within my contract. There you go. Well, well done. Well, John, yeah. the, the reason that I wanted to have you on today, we're actually having a conversation just, what was that, last week um, with our friend Dustin over at Mouse Dining. Uh, and three of us like to get together and just kind of talk, you know, Disney and, and what's going on and, and some of the things that are happening around food. And you actually had kind of brought up a, a cool idea about comparing truly Disney to Universal, especially when it comes down to food. Uh, you know, I think everybody gets into the habit of comparing prices of comparing costs of you know park tickets the annual passes what's actually available in the parks rides those are kind of the easy ones but uh much like i i you know myself and Rhonda tried to do just about a week or so ago with our cost of vacation episode is we want to kind of try see about putting disney and universal somewhat on a level playing field when it comes down to certain cuisines that people may go and dine at you know, at these two uh, different re uh, parks and resorts and all. And so we thought we'd do kind of a comparison. 
Um, before we get into specifically picking some cuisines, and we're going to do this in a two-part series. Uh, we're going to do five and five, and we'll get into what those exactly are. But what do you see being some of the main differences almost from, you know, that take a step back, let's look at Disney dining, let's look at universal, universal dining. Um, what does those usually look like as far as your options, your quality, your service, your pricing? And again, without having to get too granular, what's kind of the overall thoughts on how they compare? As a general rule, and this is a general rule that I apply to food festivals, I apply to table service, I apply to counter service. And if you're, you get confused, Disney and Universal have to call them different things. At Walt Disney World, it's table service, Universal, it's full service. It's the same thing. Yeah. At Disney, it's counter service. At Universal, it's quick service. It's the same thing. Um, the general rule is Disney is way bigger. Thus, the reason, thus some of the reason that Disney costs more. Um, let's just be honest. It's worth costing more. There are four theme parks as opposed to two theme parks. Now, that will change when Epic Universe opens. But, and just so you know, as person who writes a lot of Universal blogs, Volcano Bay does not count as a theme park. Thank okay, you. We can have that conversation another time. Thank but you. But it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> count Universal. I'm sorry. Yes. Is it the? Is, I know I'm digressing from your podcast. You let a minister talk. Sorry. <laughs> um, you, a Volcano Bay is the best water park in the area. That's not up for debate. But it's not a theme park. Okay. Yeah. Having said that, back to your real question. Um. Walt Disney World offers some of the best food that you can find at any any place on the planet. I mean, let's let's be serious here. You're not going to find the best New York steak at Disney World. However, if you're outside of New York, you are. Yeah. Okay. You're not going to find the best California cuisine compared to California. But guess what? You're going to find the best stuff. You're not going to find the best Latin American food, but you're going to find the best Latin American food outside of a Latin American culture at Walt Disney World. Yeah. Um, however, because they have so many opportunities to do that, the food there goes from, it could be a 10 or you could go someplace and it's a one and a half. Whereas a universal as a general rule, and I'm kind of just making these numbers up as I'm talking universal, you can have an eight and a half, maybe a nine, but you'll never get below a two and a half. Mm. And, but you don't have as much variety and they don't try to do quite as much stuff. I've, right. I've picked on them lately for doing the yum brand thing where yum brand just has six ingredients and rearranges them. Yeah. Um, well, Universal is kind of doing that pork carnitas are taking over the park. Okay. And so that kind of stuff. And so, but as a general rule, food costs more at Disney apples for apples, as we'll see in this discussion, as a food blogger, I prioritize price more than most food bloggers. Most food bloggers is what does it taste compared to the other thing as someone who, Let's just be honest. I'm not complaining about my salary. I work full time as a minister. Um, let's assume that I'm not a celebrity minister you see on TV every week. There's only so much money that I make. And for perspective, my wife, who's gone back to college, has a Pell Grant. So that will give you an idea of where I fall in the financial range, not a criticism. Um, it's important to be where I spend my money. Um, so if I can get the same thing or close to the same thing for less money, I'm going to do that every time. And at Universal, food tends to be less for the same quality. And the portions tend to be larger. Yeah. That goes for quick service, table service, food festivals, everything. Okay. I'm really glad you you bring that up, though, before we really dive into the individual kind of cuisines and restaurants, because I, I feel the same way. I understand that I, at some point, might be able to, at one restaurant, technically get a better steak overall, price aside, than at this restaurant. But if this restaurant is $10 less for that steak, that has a very big impact on the way uh -huh. that I feel about it compared to the one that's going to cost me more money. Um, so I, I really like that you focus on that. And that is something that you look at, because as we know, I think now more than ever, budgets are getting tighter. People are really looking at every dollar and cent a lot of times when they're trying to go to a Walt Disney World and even Universal, mm -hmm. you know, and I know we could do a whole episode again on just the overall cost comparison to these two parks. And probably something that would be fun to do is because everyone thinks that, you know, Universal is just so much cheaper. But as you said, they have eh. half as much usually. Um, so, but I like the dining perspective that, you know, and, and that's what I'm excited to talk about these, especially because, you know, we've we've now been universal pass holders for almost two years, but we go a third, if not a fourth of the time to universal as we do Disney. And when we're at universal, we're spending usually one day compared to maybe three at Disney. Um, so we are still rookies when it comes to dining. 
um, especially as it comes to full service dining. Um, so yeah. I'm excited to hear about a bunch of this stuff. Yeah, as opposed to, and you know this because you, you know, I know you on Twitter and you see things I do every so often on Twitter is I do the opposite. Now, granted, that's for different reasons. And I'm, I live current, I live out of state mm -hmm. and I currently do not have an annual pass because in the transition between different places that I work at, um, I didn't have an annual pass and I got caught in that trap of no annual passes being sold. So that's, that is a variable. But even when I had annual passes to both places, um, I would tend to do 80% universal and 20% Walt Disney World. Yeah. Um, and that was just came down to a simple fact of, and we, this should get factored in this discussion. If I have an annual pass to Walt Disney, Walt Disney World, I might get a discount on food. I might not. Right. At Universal is I always have to tell people, especially in the last couple of years, that it wasn't always this way. If you have one of the top two annual passes, or if you go during a certain time and you have the lowest annual pass, you're bound to get 10% off that food. Yeah. And if, and if you decide to go to, let's pick the most expensive. Oh, you decide to go to the Palm. Okay. I'm looking at the most expensive thing we're going to look at. Um, and you're going to spend legitimately, legitimately a hundred dollars each. You'll be lucky if you only spend a hundred dollars each. Yeah. 10% off that hundred dollars. Um, all of a sudden has started to pay for lunch tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. So, well, and especially, I, I, I mean, I say this to people all the time, the fact that you can walk down into the lobby of any resort and save on your Starbucks. I think it's such a big advantage. Mm -hmm. So that is that is a huge advantage as far as looking at pass holders and again cost and the difference between Disney and Universal is being able to save everywhere. Um, at at Disney, I mean, you need like a degree in yes. discounts to even figure out where you might save any money whatsoever. And there's been several times now that it'll be it'll be a week later, and I'm getting ready to sit down and do notes on a uh, table service that Ron and I sat down at, and I look at her and go, "Did we did we save pass holder?" Like one, mm -hmm. was there a pass holder discount? And two, did they ask or did we offer? Um, right. And about it's about 50-50 on whether we got a 10% discount or not because we might have forgot or they never asked. So at, right. at Universal, it's easy. Mm -hmm. And on the side note, just to make this little plug for Universal, because one of the other ways that we can make this another podcast some other time, if I don't annoy your audience too much, <laughs> um, is because I did like a last minute podcast with someone last night to talk about accommodations and offsite accommodations. Mm -hmm. People are deciding to stay off site to save money. I know you, you go to Flamingo crossing area yeah. often to do that. Um, yep. I've gone to Disney Springs area. And obviously, you know, from chats we've had that I stay at those Kirkman area hotels at universal all the time, oh, yeah. at least for part of my trip to save money um, because it's so much easier. But when you stay at the value or the value prime or the value plus whatever term you want to use at universal, uh, there's a Starbucks in your lobby. Yeah. You don't have to go to the park, people. You can show up with the Starbucks in hand. And if, sorry, big commercial for Universal and Aventura. If you stay at Aventura, by the way, Jeremy's not as big a fan of Aventura. And I respect <laughs> that he has valid reasons. I'm a huge fan of Aventura, but I'm the right demographic. I've never waited in the line for Starbucks at Aventura more than five minutes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, I joked with um, when I was, when I was still blogging uh, all the time with touring plans, I used to joke with them. We need a lines app on the Starbucks at Magic yeah. Kingdom. And we tested it one day because we were just joking. 19, 20 minutes average wait. Oh, I bet. And not to go off on so much of a tangent, but I just, I like, I love these little tips and this little information that people may not know. And correct me if I'm wrong, at Disney within the Starbucks, just say on Main Street, I'm not sure if it's the same with any other in-park one, you cannot earn points on you your cannot, Starbucks this app? one i got i have an article on pirates and okay Prince. that's a shameful plug okay of, no go for I, it when i went to disney springs you cannot use your star awards your birthday awards or anything at any starbucks inside the parks okay at disney okay but you can at disney springs and let me tell you when somebody gives you a per diem and says go eat at disney springs and you can go to starbucks and use your mobile order at disney springs and it doesn't cost you a dime yeah it is a great feeling. And suddenly, all of a sudden, those gigantic beverages taste great. Okay. Um, at, at Universal, there there is no, you can't use your Star Awards anywhere in City okay. Walk, in the park, or in the hotels. Perfect. Okay, that's what I was unsure of. But I think that's, again, good information to know, um, especially at Disney Springs. That's great. Well, let's start diving into our cuisines. And again, I'm very excited about this because we're still kind of newbies as far as uh, universal food goes, um, eating at some of these, but not all of them. So I can't wait to kind of hear your take and the comparisons. Uh, we're going to start with Italian. 
And what uh, we've done, I kind of put together a quick list and then John really updated it with his knowledge on what were the best matchups. So we're going to basically, for the most part, match a Disney well-known Italian restaurant in the way that it compares to one at Universal. Um, so I'll kind of just let you take that away. And then if I have something yeah, to interject. Yeah, I probably I should that. hijack. I should hijack this one because there's a lot. I had a lot of debate about this one. Okay. We're starting with Italian. And if you've listened to the main street magic podcast and of course you have jeremy likes to compare many of the restaurants to olive garden when I it do. comes to italian I do. and in fairness let me say this is someone who gets paid a small amount but gets paid to write food blogs he's right so oh. sorry if i just defended your spouse but you are right <laughs> some of these places are are comparable to olive garden so when i when i was doing researching this i was like best italian places i would consult sources and i were like you just listed a place that it cost me three times as much as Olive Garden. It's not as good. Sorry, yeah. I ignore you. So, but the tricky part is there are really, really at both places, Universal and Disney, there are phenomenal upscale Italian places. Yeah. I would argue both places have a mid-level Italian place where the food is not as good, but it's it's 85% of the quality of the upscale. Like at Universal, at Portofino Bay Resort, which you would imagine is an Italian themed place. Mm -hmm. There's Bice and Mamadella's, which are both kind of versions of upscale Italian places. And the food is phenomenal. Okay. But I don't think it's worth spending twice as much, sometimes three times as much for 15 to 20% better food than at Vivo's Italian Kitchen, which yeah. is in City Walk. If you've been to Universal ever, you've walked past it. So, Whereas if we're putting that up at Walt Disney World against Trattoria, I always screw that up, Al Forno and, and the boardwalk. And now granted, some of you are screaming right now because I do this too when I listen to podcasts. You didn't include Via Napoli. Well, yeah, that's correct because we're talking Italian food. We're not talking pizza. That's a different conversation, um, just to be clear. Is there is there pasta there? But it's it, it doesn't compare to Trattoria, Al Forno. Yeah. And I put in the notes last night when we're looking at this that Topolino's Terrace needs to be included because the best Italian food, in my opinion, sorry, I want to back that up. In my opinion, the best Italian food is at Topolino's Terrace. Agreed. But I can't define that as an Italian place. Agreed completely. Yeah. So so we are putting up Trattoria Al Forno and the Boardwalk against Vivo Italian Kitchen at Universal. Now, Jeremy, you've been to both of those. Have, yes. Um, and we have been to Vivo twice over the span of, of the last two years. So I don't know if anything has changed there. We have been it's pretty to, much the same. Okay. Well, we've been to Trattoria, for example, um, multiple times with a chef change in between. Yes. And <laughs> so so some of those, com I, I will say we've we've always enjoyed it very, very much. Um, for me on a, on a, before we get into what you think, and I know we're not technically talking pizza, but these aren't pizza places. They're Italian mm -hmm. places that have pizza. I think that the pizza at Vivo, um, was far better in my opinion than what it was at Trattoria. Um, yep. and I feel that the pasta, uh, when you got down to it for me was also better at Vivo. Um, even though we love Trattoria and we tried a lot of different things there. I love the atmosphere, though, at Trattoria, especially if you get a table outside. Yep. Um, so that's kind of where I would weigh those two at. Yeah, um, I tend to bias price and food quality. So I'm lower on the atmosphere. So I would admit that up front. Um, and Trattoria struggles with um, they used to. Why am I blanking on his name? The chef who runs Flying Fish mm -hmm. was there for quite a while during the in the inner in between periods that's the reason that everything tasted so fresh because he didn't have to in my opinion he didn't have to follow the rules he could just say i'm who i am i can't think yeah. of what his name is i want to say it's tim but he just said i can walk i can go to uh, work some some theme park resort that's really in orlando not in lake buena vista i don't need you right now yeah. and so they he got everything was the best and so the food was great the foods dropped down a little bit but i'd say that Vivo, I mean, I, I've written this several times, you can find it somehow, and this sounds sexist, so I apologize. Some Italian grandmother is back there making pasta and making the yeah. sauce, and it is incredible how she's cranking it out. I know she's not, but it's it tastes that way. Yes. And the best part is Vivo tastes um, costs less than 
Trattoria, Via Napoli, any of the options. It, it costs less than Mama Melrose. Yeah. Okay. It costs, in some cases, it costs less than Tony's Town Square. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just including all the Italian yes. places. Yes. Um, so that's really the question it comes down to. Um, I know for my spouse, who's a theme park nerd beyond what I am, um, we can turn Vivo into a romantic event. And so, but the negative is its location is right there in the city walk, the middle of everything. So if you're looking for atmosphere, well, I'm going to tell you to, and Dustin can thank me later. I'm going to tell you, consult the mouse dining and get a reservation at Topolino's Terrace. Okay. (laughs) Versus Trattoria, but it's a good option. But if you're looking for quality Italian food, let me just look, I'm always bad on the podcast to look up your notes. Um, Like, you want lamb ragu, okay, which is really, really good there. Yes. It's it's that. $21. Yeah. Um, you want squid ink seafood. It's 26 Now, if you're not familiar with the price of what those usually are, that's a great deal. Yeah. Um, the lasagna that literally is to die for at Vivo is 20 I think at Trattoria and other places, it's $27.28, um, just for perspective. Um, I'm not going to tell you Vivo is the best Italian food you've ever had. But it's not Olive Garden. Yeah, it's 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 something I would expect to have at a fine dining Italian restaurant, but not the huge upscale version. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree completely. We uh, the first time we ever actually dined there, we were there with friends, and it was maybe it might have been July of 2020, so like a month after reopening of everything. And I think we were the only the girls were with us. I think we were the only six people in the entire restaurant in Vivo. And it was it was absolutely unbelievable. And then we went back when it was, you know, we were back to to pretty much, quote unquote, normal. And we sat outside and we got a last minute reservation and they accommodated us, even though it was very busy. And we just had an absolutely wonderful time there as well. Um, Let me ask you a question, because especially when it comes to something like a a Viennapoli, a Tony's Town Square, what price do you personally put on location and atmosphere? Uh, Again, let's just say we're going to pretend that um, Via Napoli and Olive Garden are the same. And let's just say you have a dish that at Olive Garden. Okay, by the way, 13... you just insulted Via Napoli, but I understand. Well, I, but see, I've compared their <laughs> pa- I've compared their Italian yep. dishes the same. But let's just say, you know, in comparison, you can get a, an Italian place near your home. Just say whether it's a chain or not, and their pasta dish is sixteen ninety nine. But you can take that exact same dish and put it inside a restaurant inside of a theme park. Is there a price kind of for you personally that you go, all right, this is worth $5 more. This is worth $8 more. Do you ever think about it in that manner? I usually use the 20% principle. I do that with accommodations. I do that with other stuff. If it's within 20 or 25%, I usually don't balk at it. But I have the huge advantage that many other people don't have. On many occasions, people pay me to go eat food. Right. Okay, not a lot, but they pay me to eat food. So... I know what to go for. And I literally choose my restaurant based on what I don't have elsewhere. Yeah. And so that's why I'm holding the Italian food to a much higher standard. And Vivo is better than anything I can get. I live in Illinois. I can take the train to Chicago. Okay. So just so we have perspective here, (laughs) um, it's better than anything I can get for a buck. And it's less than the, what I would pay for that in Chicago. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, the next one. Um, go ahead. Next oh, one is. Well, I was going to say the go next ahead. one I'm most excited about because the two that we actually have selected, I've not dined it either, um, but I have eaten. I've eaten a majority of. I don't. Know, I feel like there's two true steak places I have not eaten at on Disney property. This is one of them, but we obviously are moving on to steak. Uh, what restaurants are we looking at? I've not eaten at the one at um, Universal Orlando Resort as well. So. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about these two and in comparison, because there's two that are definitely on my list in the future to try. And okay, well, um, when we were, when I was pondering this, uh, steak had to be, steakhouse had to be one of those things, but as Disney has done a good job and universal for that matter, there's high end steak and then there's mid-level steakhouse. I think yeah. in our schedule, we're looking at mid-level steakhouse maybe for the next episode. Yeah. Uh, mid-level steakhouse visualize something like steakhouse 71 for those of you familiar with that uh, we are going big time for steak we are going to arguably the best places you can get steak 
with the exception of two places in all of the Orlando area. We're going to Shula's at the Dolphin and we're going to the Palm at Hard Rock Hotel. Yeah. And so if that sounds upscale and you're worried about your wallet right now, then you are correct. <laughs> it, it is going, you are not getting out of there for under a hundred dollars. Wow. There, there are steaks you can order that are over a hundred dollars. Um, there's the, I want to say 42 ounce, but that sounds too much. I want to say, let's say 36 ounce tomahawk steak at Shula's is over a hundred dollars. Wow. It may be worth it, but it's over a hundred dollars. Um, the Palm is kind of an equivalent setup. The prices are a little bit lower, but this will be my one exception. The portion sizes tend to be a little smaller at, at the Palm okay. compared to Shula. Now, remember, if you live in other places, you may live near a Shula Steakhouse or something that's disguised as a Shula Steakhouse in the franchise. And it's not really, it's called something else. It's still a Shula Steakhouse. You may live near a Palm. There's 18 Palms in the U.S. Okay. Um, the other factor that's important, that's very important for this, if we have to break a tie, is um, the Palm is now owned by the Landry's restaurants. Yes, you can use your Landry's card. Yes, you can accumulate money for your Landry's. Oh, wow. That's huge. So, so that's kind of a big deal um, in, because it didn't used to be that way. Yeah. Um, and when you think Landry's restaurant, if you're not familiar, let's, let's pull the palm down for a second. Landry's owns a Rainforest Cafe, T-Rex, Bubba Gumps. Now let's help them. They own Yak and Yeti. Yeah. They own some, they own some Landry's <laughs> seafood places. They own Mitchell's and places like that. You have, may have where you live. Yes, we do. Um, and so, uh, I would say the food, the steak itself at Shula's is better than the steak at Hard Rock for the same money. Okay. Here's the problem. The things that come around it, the seafood, the appetizers, the other things like that are better at the Palm and cost less. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so it's a, do you want the best steak you've ever had? Go to Shula's but don't look at your bank account after you do it. <laughs> do you want, cause I have a friend I'm sure she will listen to this podcast and she will scream at me and send me messages. She, she's um, a wonderful single young lady who works hard, family owns a farm. She's a hospice nurse. Um, you know, we're, we've been friends with her for a while. She's great. She goes to the Palm every trip as a, as a single, you know, yeah. single young lady because she, it's the best food she can find anywhere. Wow. And she just sits and she enjoys it. And she orders things that I'm like, oh my goodness, it's a food blogger. I don't order that stuff. Right. <laughs> okay. And so on this one, I'm going to declare probably a tie. Okay. Um, if you're looking for steak, go to Shoeless. But I would pull it down because the atmosphere is not as good. It's a little harder to get to because it's at the Dolphin. Um, and you can probably find close to the same level of steak at 15 other restaurants. Nah, that's not fair. Eight other restaurants at Walt Disney world. Okay. Yeah. I'm really interested to try it there then. Yeah. Um, whereas at universal, this is not a discussion. The best steak on property is at the Palm. Okay. Seven of the best steaks on property are at the Palm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, and some of that is because there are fewer steak options. Yeah. Um, when we discuss probably in the next episode, putting big fire against whatever we decide, I would suggest Steakhouse 71, but a mid-level steakhouse. Big fire is great. And steakhouse 71 is great, but they don't even compare no. to, but I, now I want to be clear as I would read reference to another podcast I was listening to this actually this morning as we're recording, they are primarily a Disney podcast and they talked about how the Palm steak was way better than the shoeless. So you're going to get debate about this. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to declare this one a tie. Yeah. Well, and, and but most people can't afford to go to either of these places. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why we'll definitely discuss kind of the mid-level uh, next episode, part two. I, I find that so interesting based on, on the stakes because I've not done La Cellier and I know I need to try there, but to me, that seems like a kind of 50 50 where people think it's either the absolute best or they're like, it really didn't live up. Um, I felt that way about yachtsman. I would actually put the yachtsman uh -huh. steak way down on my list of best steaks at Disney property, but I'd put the sides as some of the, the best up there. Um, whereas as far as a full meal, like I'm going to make this bold statement, 
It's the last steak I had, which sometimes influences me. I'll admit that up mm-hmm. front. Anybody that listens knows flying fish might be my favorite steak I've had on property now with Topolinos falling into second, um, putting a Cali grill third, you know, yachtsman for me goes a little bit further down the line, but then so somebody in other else words, might you, be completely flipped. You just picked the restaurants and I'd have to go through my notes. Cause I don't, I don't, I have a real job. I don't do this full time. <laughs> so you picked the three restaurants with the three best chefs oh, yeah. that have the best shake, yeah. best steak. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, that. I just want you to connect those dots. There yeah. is a connection There's a because they have, connection. they have more pull. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's prepared better, but they also can get better quality steak. Yeah. So they start with an advantage. Yeah. And, and even those, I think, as we talked about earlier, I am very much influenced by the setting around me. I mean, you know, yes. to have a steak at Topolino's again, you could take that exact same meal and put it at somewhere else without that setting. And I might go, no, this one at Topolino's definitely tastes better. And they'd be like, it's the same steak, man. Be like, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing. That I do at flying fish. So it's an right. I do realize life. that I, put in one disclaimer I need to put in. This is the budget food blogger popping out. Yeah. Um, at the Palm, at the bar, there's a bar there and they've not started it back, but they used to have like a happy hour. Now their happy hour starts like four or five. Okay. But you could go and get burgers and fries for half price at the bar from like five to seven Monday through oh, Friday. Wow. And so you're like, so you get the feel and the atmosphere of the upscale Palm and I've only had to spend $20. That's outstanding. So that'll be one of the things that I'll be checking out um, on one of my off nights of Halloween Horror Nights, whether they're back to doing that again. So just, okay. but I, Shula's doesn't have that option, but right. I do have to give Dolphin and Swan credit. If you want food and you don't want to leave your property, they have it in some way. No, I'm not going to guarantee what it costs. Your burger may cost you $30. I'm right. sorry, <laughs> but they'll have it. Okay. So yeah, just to make that disclaimer. Okay. Well, well, the next cuisine uh, is probably one of my favorite cuisines. I absolutely love Mexican food. Probably honestly, my top cuisine out of anything else I can think of. And I, I feel like I know who's going to win this battle because I don't think you can get anything outstanding on Disney property, even though we've got a couple options. Um, so talk a little bit about what's available to us on Disney and what we have at Universal Orlando Resort as far as Mexican, Mexican cuisine. Okay. What we, what we chose on, and this is probably one of those we debated back and forth the most is, uh, we went with Frontera Conchina, which is, um, Rick Bayless's restaurant. Why am I yes. blanking on chef? Yeah, Rick today? Bayless. Okay. Yep. Uh, Rick That's Bayless's the one I do restaurant. <laughs> okay. Um, for those of you who are Epcot Mexico pavilion stands about food. I'm not saying that I'm an expert in Mexican food, but I I did, you know, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express recently <laughs> and go to sem- and go to seminary in Texas. There okay. you go. There's a standard you need to have. No, it doesn't make it. I'm sorry. There are some good entrees, but like we talk about, and I say this sometimes, if you have to order specific items to get a good meal, yep. it's not a good restaurant. Agreed. Um, so, and... Uh, what's the other? Oh, I I made us mention Haleo, which is cheating mm-hmm. because Haleo is technically not Mexican. It's Latin or Spanish environment. And for this discussion, what it's going to go against the universal, it's not fair because I can go to Haleo and get some great food and spend $85 on just me oh, yeah. and still be hungry. Yes. Okay. And so, so it's not really fair. Um, at Universal, if you're familiar with Universal, the exact title is Antejitos Authentic Mexican Cuisine. Um, Antihitos is a place that my my wife, who doesn't have a food budget, an expense budget for her food, when she goes to Universal, she just went there. It was one of the places they had to go. Yeah. Um, it's It's gone through lots of changes. It originally, I would say, was intended to be similar to Frontera Conchina, more upscale, real Mexican fine dining, not a variation of Mexican street food, which is what Antihitos really is. Yeah. And so this is real. I, unfortunately, this is an apples and oranges combination here. You've been to Frontera Cachina more, I think more recently than I have. Uh, you did like it. Yeah. You did. You did one. I think I was there like two months before you. Right. Right. Um, and it's still and been, so, it's, that's still been over two years. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been there. So I want to be fair about this, but obviously I have resources and edit lots of food blogs. And so I see what happens is yeah. 
Um, if we're comparing the quality of the food between um, Frontier, Frontier Conchina and Antitos, uh, Frontier Conchina is better. Yeah. Um, if we are comparing the atmosphere, depends on what you want. Do you want more of the the music and the and the stereotypical fine dining Mexican environment, and you want yep. that, or do you want the atmosphere and the outdoor seating and the and the great service? Which do you want? I'm going to lobby for, even though it can be a little cheesy. I'm going to lobby for the for the mariachi band that takes pop songs and turns them into mariachi songs and sings them from the stage and does all these kind of things and all the things to go with that. But Agreed. I'm also going to lobby for that because for the comparable item, and I did this and I just stopped looking because it was slam dunk. Uh, the same item for the same portion size, once I broke it down, uh, Franchera Cochina was twice as expensive. Oh, I bet. As Antitos. Wow. wow. And so... Is the food better in Disney Springs? Yes, it's better. Is it twice? Is it a hundred percent better? No, um, it's just not. Antihitos. This is a whole different discussion. I can name you four places that I, if I had to, uh, that's not true. Three places, if I had to, I could walk off Universal property and find better Mexican food. Yeah. Now, granted, I'm I'm willing to walk a mile and a half, okay? So, <laughs> so I'm cheating a little bit here. You might want to take a car or whatever. Um, uh, Antojitos is going to win, not because it's phenomenal Mexican food, because if I had to choose between Antojitos and going to Chewy's, which is a chain restaurant mm-hmm. that originally started in Austin, I would go to Chewy's. Okay. Okay. Um, but... When I compare it against Frontera Conchina, I'm not trying to insult the quality of that restaurant. It's even expensive for Disney Springs. Yeah, it is. And, and so that's the tricky part is if you want the closest you can get to authentic Mexican food, not Latin food, not Spanish food, Mexican food, go there. Yeah. But if I were going to fight for the reservations at Disney Springs, I'd pick something else. Yeah. I'd pick, I'd pick homecoming, which is not going to come up in our discussion because nothing compares to homecoming. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, how do you, how do you feel or what is the general consensus over Maya grill over at Coronado Springs? Because uh, we um, actually love it and we've probably been there as much as almost any other restaurant shockingly at Coronado Springs, but we've probably been there mm-hmm. at least half a dozen times. And I had zero expedi- expectations the first time we walked into that place and they've actually blown us away every time, but I don't feel as though everyone else thinks that or that it's talked about very much as far as I see. Um, I think the biggest weakness for my, my grill is its location. Yeah. Because Coronado Springs still has a reputation as a convention hotel, mm-hmm. even though it has changed through the years. Um, and I know of people who've been there since the reo- the reopening, whatever we define that. I know it seems like so long, but things have reopened very slowly at Walt yeah. Disney World. Um, the food blogger people have not had good experiences at Maya Grill, Mine Grill. Yeah. So, but I, I feel just in my very limited experience there that it does get a bad rap, but I wouldn't go out of my way to go there. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Especially when you have, now, if I, have some other options. If I were, st- if I were staying there. Oh yeah. That's a whole different conversation. I probably would dedicate one night to go there. Definitely. Well, maybe we might do that then in August because we'll be staying there in August and maybe we can go back because we have not been since reopening as well. But we had been so many times prior. Um, actually, the first uh, night we ever went, um, we I think it was we went with my family, my, my parents, my brother, all his kids were in town. Our kids, we had a group of like 10 of us or whatever. And Ron and I liked it so much that the next night we were like to my mom and dad, will you watch the kids and, and just Ron and I are going to go for a date night. And we actually went back the next night and really enjoyed it. But I'd be interested to get back there. Of course, it is third party owned. Um, right. Same company that, you know, runs everything there in the Mexican pavilion, I believe it is. So mm-hmm. you're going to find some similarities there. Um, so this next one is interesting. 
um, I think these you brought these up actually as pairing apart, which didn't really no, cross I, my mind. But I couldn't believe perfect. I had like a eureka experience in the car. I was like, yeah, duh, this is so obvious. Yeah. And it's um, it, so I'm calling it American fusion. Is, is there something else you think that's agreeable? I think that's wonderful. And if anybody can't start deciding what these restaurants are at Disney, we've got Splitsville and at Universal Orlando Resort, we have Cowfish. Uh, talk a little right. bit about these spots. Um, cowfish, we'll start with the easier one. You're a bit much bigger fan than cowfish than I am. Yeah. So, um, cowfish is as weird as it sounds. It's a chain. It's not much of a chain at the moment. They've kind of, uh, the pandemic was hard on them, but they still have chain restaurants kind of in California, in Carolina and some other places like that. Um, it's burgers and sushi. Yes. I said burgers and sushi. <laughs> I have even recently on my last trip had burger Ushi. Yes. Um, and so even I have a review, you can find that. I think I had the all American double cheeseburger Ushi. Um, so <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. You've taken a burger. I compared it to in that review for Pirates and Princess. I compared it to if you like the taste of a McDonald's cheeseburger, but you want more than that. You want an upscale version? Welcome to the burger Ushi. There you go. That's a good um, description. They have all kinds of versions of that. Cowfish has a, a vast menu. They, they win on the vast menu. Yeah. They have bento boxes. They have um, appetizers beyond belief. I have friends who just go there for the appetizers. They go for the crab rangoon dip as yes. like the best dip around. Yeah. Um, they have sushi. They have fusion rolls. Uh, they have all kinds of things like that. My, my biggest criticism of cowfish is the service is traditionally very slow. It has always been slow at Cowfish. Okay. Um, I don't know why that is. It's just always been slow. Uh, whereas opposed to Splitsville, which yes, Splitsville is the same, owned um, by the same company that does Art Smith's Homecoming and technically also the same company that does Everglazed. They're okay. different ownership, but it's the same company, same overall company. Um, they are, I, I would, I promote Splitsville as, yeah, you can go bowling, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a mini sports bar. I kind of call it a mini sports bar. Yeah. So that'll be important for the next next line. But they have it's pizza, sushi, sandwiches, and burgers. And they have some entrees, but I think they're going over their skis on the entrees. Some of them are good, and some <laughs> of them are they're a little forced. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and whereas cowfish sticks to what they're what they claim they're good at, some of their stuff isn't that great, but. Some of it is just, I can't believe this tastes good. This looks like it would not taste good, but it does. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I, I love both of these spots. And again, I think they each win in their own manner. Um, I, overall, I like the sushi as it is, as more of a traditional sushi, better at Cowfish. Um, the burgers, I think, at Cowfish are really good. While those two, to me, individually are outstanding and I appreciate their fusion, I wasn't really sold on some of the stuff that I'd consider fusion. Um, I, I didn't love those. I thought almost you do burgers really well. That's awesome. Do them well. You do sushi really well. That's great. Do it well, but you can keep them separate. But I like the fact that our, our girls, every time we go to Universal, they want to go to Cowfish and they want to get those bento boxes where they can mm -hmm. get two little American sliders. They can get some sushi. They can get some edamame, some French fries. You know, they can get all these different things that they really enjoy. But if we were there with, my parents and my brother, for example, my parents are very on the simple side. They could just get a plain burger, cheeseburger. My brother could go ahead and get sushi. There's not a lot of places you can find that you can do both of them and have them do them well. And then again, for somebody that wants to elevate it, you can do the fusion portion. Um, I think at Splitsville, for me, it's one of those where the atmosphere of sitting outside, uh, you know, the, it's a cool Florida evening, maybe the sun is setting, music is playing. Uh, they've got those great frozen drinks and the whole wall of those outdoors. Um, and all, you know, the food that we have had there tends to be very good. Their sushi was good. Um, we had some burger sliders that were outstanding. I think the quality of cowfish is better. I like the atmosphere, especially outside better at Splitsville. Um, so again, I know that I'm kind of like not really picking one, but I think it's dependent on what you're looking for. Right. I, I would counter this with, um, and I, I think if I had to decide, I would go with Splitsville. I have a higher opinion of Splitsville's burgers than you do. Yeah. See, we have not had any anything other than their little appetizer sliders. So I can't completely yeah. comment on their overall like regular burger. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that you're able to, to interject. I, with that I have a higher opinion, but I prioritize this is the bias I bring to the burger. 
Okay, so just my, I prioritize the taste of the burger itself over everything else. Now, don't misunderstand me. Um, I'm a big fan of bacon and everything else on top of my burger. I just reviewed um, the Smokehouse Burger at, at NBC Sports Grill. And, you know, it's got pork and gouda on it. It's got all these things. I appreciate that. But I'm grading it first on the quality of the burger. And mm-hmm. I think the quality of the burger at Splitsville is slightly higher. Okay. I don't think the preparation is as good. So this, so I'm hemming and hawing also. Right. <laughs> but my, my, my counter on the cowfish would be, because I went with Xavier of Universal Food Blog to eat at cowfish. And we sat at the bar upstairs where they have cornhole and yeah. they have the bar and they have the TVs and they have the setting. And I, I found that atmosphere to be almost equal to Splitsville's bar area. Oh, awesome. Okay. So it's a little smaller. But it's also kind of hidden up in that um, that night that formerly nightclub area up uh-huh. in the on the second floor, and I found it to be a much a much more enjoyable environment. Okay, we'll have to check so, it out up there. We've we've sat outside and we've sat kind of regular inside at, at Cowfish, but not in that area. Um, but I, I'm with you on the overall burger portion, and I know this was at Volcano Bay, and it's a quick service restaurant. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, my review of that was. To me, the burger should shine and everything else that goes with it should accompany it and, and it should work well. But you need to taste the burger. You need that to be the star of the show. And when sometimes when they go just loading so much stuff on it, you know, they think it's going to enhance the flavor and it doesn't. It just overpowers the burger. So yeah, I would agree well, with you. I want to taste that burger first. Just for, for this and shameless plug, because I can't believe it's still getting so many hits. One of the articles I wrote for Pirates and Princesses when the Mission to Mars burger came out at Cosmic oh, yeah. Ray for the ant. Okay. I was checking, I only get to see the stuff that does really well because I don't spend the time. I was like, I wrote that in October. And just so we're clear, don't get the Mission to Mars burger at Cosmic <laughs> Christ. Just so we're clear, I'll say, you know, I'm not trying to plug go into the site because I'm saving you the trouble. Don't. <laughs> but, but like a thousand people read that last week. And wow. something I wrote back in October because people are fascinated with things like the Big Al burger at Pecos Bill. Yeah. And so people, I feel that theme park, the average theme park goer just wants a whole bunch of stuff on top of their burger. They've given up on the fact that burgers going to taste bad. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They want it dusted in hot Cheetos. Like, I don't yes. know why, because I guess it <laughs> I takes a good photo, right? I mean, that's, and you've, you've heard Ron and I talk about bite. it. No. And that, well, that's the thing. <laughs> One thing I feel like Disney has finally started to get better about. And Rhonda and I talk about it all the time is that they were so focused on, is this Instagram worthy? We don't mm-hmm. really care if it tastes horrible. Um, we've enjoyed a lot of the 50th celebration desserts with flavor and with look. So maybe Disney's starting to learn a lesson. But yeah, I think a lot of times they they get in there, especially when you get to the you know counter service and quick service and the kiosk and the snacks, where they're just thinking, we just want photos of this posted all over Instagram. We we really don't care mm-hmm. how it tastes. And you know, a lot of the people aren't going to you know be as honest in in stuff as you are about the actual flavor. They're just there doing it yes. for Instagram. And so, you know, all of a sudden you see a line out the door for this Cheeto dusted burger and it almost doesn't matter mm-hmm. how it tastes. So it's, it's actually crazy. so that so that the listeners don't scream at us for not making a decision. I'm going to make a call. I, I said you were going to get to make it, I but I just I just did that minister thing and took over like I'm Go not supposed it. to. <laughs> I'm going to pick Splitsville in this okay. case I have for no two reasons. Splitsville has pizza and is the pizza good? Yes. Is the pizza great? No. However, if you're to like Jeremy just said, because he kind of sold me on the larger group idea. Mm-hmm. If you're taking a larger group, it's kind of a modified. It's a, it's something between a real pizza and a flatbread. They call a pizza. Yeah. It, it's it's pretty good. And let's not overlook the thing we haven't mentioned. Did we discuss there's a bowling alley there at Splitsville? I know. Okay. Now, granted, I stay used to stay at Cabana Bay a lot. So a bowling alley in your restaurant doesn't impress me. Okay, when you, when I have one in my hotel, right, right. Um, but if you were trying to make a day of Disney Springs, which I've done now several times, yeah, taking a group, especially a group of teenagers or young adults, or maybe even the grandparents, to a place with a bowling alley and some TV screens, and the dad who may not want to be there can sneak off to the bar and watch the game. You could spend three or four hours at Splitsville and feel like you invested your money wisely yeah 
Yeah, no, I agree completely. And Splitsville will be declared the winner in this one. Um, you mentioned, though, sneaking off to watch the game, which mm-hmm. you know very well segues into our uh, final selection for this episode. And um, I, I will say I don't think there's enough sports bars, places to watch, to truly that I feel dedicated to watch the game. You know, there's plenty of places that have TVs on both of these properties, but I don't think there's a lot of places that are centered around this is where you want to come to watch the game. Uh, at Disney, we do have CityWorks Poorhouse, uh, which has been around for, what, just about three years now. And then over yep. at Universal, we have NBC Sports Grill and Brew, which I will say I was blown away by how much we enjoyed uh, Sports Grill and Brew because it was another one. I had zero expectations. I thought this is just going to be some salesy marketing front of NBC. Come watch sports eat bad food and we actually loved everything from burgers to peanut butter and jelly wings so we were really surprised actually the the few times that we've eaten there um what are your kind of thoughts on these two and we just most recently ate at the bar outside at city work so it's pretty fresh on my mind as well yeah that's why i i was comfortable with this well first thing i was going back to check for shameless plug of the day um my i knew i wrote it recently i typed it up last night of where do you go to watch a game yeah um, if you need to do that, because I was trying to target my UK audience that tries to find the football game. For sure. And so so that becomes an issue. And those have become less options because ESPN Club is gone. Oh, Not wow. that that was a great place to go, but at least you knew it was at there. Least you had it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So, I mean, granted, you can go to Rick's Sports Bar at Disney, mm-hmm. but that's kind of hard to get to. Yep. Um, there's a couple other places kind of like that. Um, City Works is really your only legitimate true sports bar option. And it's not even that good as far as the amount of TVs and amount of selections, which just blew me away the first time we went there. I'm like, wait, this is supposed to be like, yeah, the place to watch sports. And you have, I feel like, eight TVs throughout and barely. I don't even know if there are any out in some of the outside seating area. No. Yeah. Um, Crazy. At the risk of making this decision, because I am nowhere near as big a fan of NBC Sports Grill and Brew as you are. I've had some good experiences and I've had some just awful experiences. Um, and circling back to the quality of the burger, the, the burger preparation is very good. And just to give you perspective, they use the same Creekstone Farms burger that's common at a lot of places. It's just to help you if you go to Universal sometime. And this also gets used at some places at Disney that may have nice animatronic entertainment that you should never get a burger from. <laughs> but um, Richter's burger, which I hear people talk about how they like Richter's burger, you know, sort of uses the exact same burger, the exact same size as oh, wow. NBC Sports Grill. One is a dry hockey puck. The other one is you sit down and watch some sports at. Yeah. And so, but th- they don't always get it right. The advantage of NBC Sports Grill is it took over the old place of the NASCAR Sports Grill which was a not very good restaurant, but there were more TVs than any human should be allowed to see. And NBC (laughs) Sports Grill has an incredible amount of TVs, has kind of a modified open kitchen setup where you can watch the food being prepared. Um, It's a good setup. I've been there a couple of times. I've annoyed Jeremy by taking pictures of the Duke game playing while and posted it on Twitter just to (laughs) to annoy him while I'm sitting there. Um, I don't think the food... If I'm picking some places, city walks, I don't know that I'm picking this as even my top three choices. Yeah, for food based on food alone. Yeah, I just yeah. don't think that I am. Agreed. The food is better at City Works. Yeah, but the food is more limited at City Works. Mm-hmm. Um, the wings choices are less. The burger choices are less. Um, the appetizers aren't quite as diverse. But that comes back to my discussion from earlier. The it's the cheesecake factory phenomenon. Yeah. I have a menu that's bigger than the outline of my dissertation I worked on 20, 30 years ago, but how do you possibly get those right? All of them, right. Yep. And so that's the tricky part with big menus like that. Um, NBC sports grill does really well what they do. Well, I don't have as high opinion of the wings and some of the sandwiches because okay. they try to do a whole bunch of stuff. However, I can get, I did it recently. I can get the, and I didn't give it a rave review. You can look it up at, online for the extra Wisconsin burger, which is basically a burger with a whole bunch of cheese and some cheese curd on it. Okay. Um, just so you know, and it was good, but it wasn't great. But, but 
I paid $16 before discount. Yeah. So for me, I paid with tax, I paid about 15 something. Right. So, whereas I'm not doing that at city works. No. Right. And that's, that's what you have to factor in is if you had a day, let's say you're staying off site somewhere, because this is a legitimate conversation. You're staying off site. You're not going to the parks that day, but you wanted to watch, um, let's pick on Jeremy. You wanted to watch Duke and North Carolina play. And you didn't want to watch it in your room. You wanted to go somewhere else because you didn't want to, you wanted the kids to sleep or whatever, because inevitably the game will be nine o'clock Eastern time for you. So so you're going somewhere, where are you going to go? And I think that's really the question. Where would you go? In my case, I would go to NBC sports grill. Exactly. And I would get an, I would get an appetizer and other stuff. Yep. Is the food better at city works? Yes. Yes. Did city works have a brunch on the weekend that we overlooked? Yes. Yes. Um, can you find some legitimate real entrees that are pretty good? Yes. And if you're drinking beer, it's definitely the spot to be. Yes. I was going to say, if you're going for more of and spoken to someone who doesn't, who hardly consumes any alcoholic beverages, take that for what it's worth. If you're going for something that's more of a mixed drink or something like that, NBC sports might be a better way to go. Even though they have the huge beer lineup and the beer flights. Uh, I would say the beer ranks better at City Works. Yeah, agreed completely. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's in the name. We haven't used the full name. I got to look it up, or I'll screw it up. The yeah. City Works Poorhouse. Yep. Okay, it's in the name. It's like Miller's Ale House for those of you familiar exactly. with. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> which is where in this discussion I would say. I was saying, I'm would, not you, sure, would you? Would you? Where I'm Miller's not sure right? why you're why, not sure why you're going to either of these places. Why right. are you not going to Miller's Ale House to yeah. watch the game? But you're going to spend half as much. That's for sure. Right. Um, but sometimes you're on property and you have to make decisions, but this we're hemming and hawing way too much about this. As I, I'm looking at this, I would pick NBC sports grill, but I would do it with t- hesitancy because the food's going to be good, but it's not going to be great. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. It's, it's with, I, I think the first time we went, I had very low expectations, so we enjoyed mm-hmm. it very much. Uh, next time we went, we sat at the bar. We were watching a Duke game, and we got appetizers. Um, enjoyed them very much. Yeah, there's there. It, we need one of these. This is as, as close to ESPN as you know anything yes. Disney had. Um, the fact that we're basically getting a, a bakery restaurant in that old spot, uh, I think. Yeah, is I was tragic. trying not to poke the bear on that one. <laughs> um, I'm sure it'll be wonderful, and I, and I can't wait to to try it out, but we could have put that somewhere else, you know, put that over at Disney Springs or something. We need a legitimate place to go watch sports, um, you know. I mean, especially when you think about being there on the boardwalk and, again, having the person who goes, I'm a huge whatever NFL team fan at 1 o'clock on Sunday. My whole family's in right. Hollywood Studios or Epcot. What do I do? Well, you just break off right there on the boardwalk and – you know, mm-hmm. at least you can do that when you're over at Universal, since you've got CityWalk there sitting right between both parks. That's basically. correct. Um, and you actually have more options in CityWalk. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, you've got you've got Hard Rock Cafe. You could watch the game. Yeah. You've got um, they usually have the game on at. Um, I'm blanking Margaritaville. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I'm not saying that I would pick those two restaurants over this, but um you can at least watch the game. Yeah, at least they're they're options. And and, and mm-hmm. unlike me who walks around with my phone and streaming ESPN right. through the middle of Epcot almost running into polls, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But well, you know, I think with so many of these and and this is where I hope we were you know able to offer a lot of insight is sometimes they come down to so many different things. Sometimes it is specifically yes. where do I get the best food? Sometimes it's where do I get the best atmosphere? Where do I get the best price? Where do I watch the game? And so I think there's something to be said with all of these. And I'm hoping that we are able to provide kind of some insight on depending on what someone is looking for. Um, and we'll plan to do the same in a future episode uh, when we're going to talk about five other kind of quiz- cuisines and, and places to eat. But um, any and um, and Disney people, I I, I have the other five list in front of me. Yeah. You want to read them off? We, if you think we have skewed towards Universal so far, um, I'm the one who who's already said Disney's going to win the next five, just, just so you know, the, uh, the next five are um, Asian and we're, that's very generic and we'll let you wait for the episode to find out what it is, but you yep. can probably figure it out at other places. Um, Irish pub, seafood, 
New Orleans style and dessert themed. And then we got to throw in that. Um, I think I accidentally uh, took it off. We'll throw steakhouse. in that mid-level steakhouse. We'll do that as our uh, bonus since we did already talk steaks. I'll add that to the list right now just to make sure that it's on there. Yeah, that'll be our bonus to round this out. But um, anything else you wanted to to say or offer for this episode? And again, please mention where anybody can find uh, you know your your blogs, you on social. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody can go ahead and follow you and, and read everything you're doing because it's yeah, it, I it's guess I stuff. just want yeah, I just want to reiterate what I said before. Every food person, whether they're work for the New York Times, whether they work for USA Today, whether they work for some food blog in which they sometimes eat the food and sometimes don't. And there are versions of that at Universal and Disney. So, yes, I'm throwing shade. Um, (laughs) We all come in with certain biases and the bias I'm very transparent about. And that's because, you know, I remember going and hoping that we could afford to eat more at Disney World Universal is I value the quality of the food and the price. Yeah. And if I have to make a decision between something that's fairly similar, I'm going to pick the lower price. Yep, That's a bias I tend to bring to the table. So anything you read from me, that's going to be the bias that I bring, which ironically, some of the things that we've looked at, um, I have reviews on them and wow, the stuff is really, really expensive. And I have a hard time telling you it's a good idea to get, even though it's probably worth the money. Right. But, but like Jeremy said, obviously I have a real job and the easiest way to follow me is on Twitter. I'm a gray haired old man who's on Twitter way too much at Pastor John, J-O-N self. And you can find most of my stuff there. Currently, um, Jeremy's familiar with one of these, but two other sites I'm in negotiation from coming from the editing side to the writing side. So I can't mention them yet. But currently, as I mentioned earlier, I write for piratesandprincesses.net, Universal Food Blog and Universal Family Vacations. Universal Family Vacations is a subsidiary of something else that I won't mention, um, but I write a lot of Disney stuff on that site also. Awesome. Well, John, thank you again for joining, offering all of your insight, and I will see you on social media, and then we'll chat again and record another episode very soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeremy. And again, if you're trying to get those hard-to-find reservations at Walt Disney World about several of these restaurants that we talked about, you can head to msmfriends.com and use their free service to try and land that reservation. And finally, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You get brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And we would absolutely love if you could leave us a rating and review. Because as Rhonda always says, it helps our show grow. That's all we've got, and we'll see you real soon. Jeremy and Rhonda are more than a little fond of Disney World, so they made this podcast to share it all with you. Reports and resorts, top ten lists of all sorts, Main Street Magic's bringing it home for you.